2: From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. Are we these United States, or are we 50 separate experiments in governance? What used to feel to me like an academic question that had largely been settled in the favor of one nation now seems like much more of an active question. State legislators in Texas passed a bill that was crafted to evade federal judicial scrutiny by relying on private citizens to enforce it. Now Governor Newsom announced that he'd like to pass legislation that would use the same workaround. For gun control. Is that a good idea? And then we'll hear about a new report that documents how some tech workers here in the U.S. on H-1B visas have collectively been shorted millions of dollars. That's all next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Recall the bizarre Texas anti-abortion bill, SB-8, which allows private citizens to sue anyone they believe may have performed an abortion after six weeks. Well, from the moment it began to withstand legal challenges, the clock was ticking on other states trying out their own versions of the legislation. In California, some of our gun control laws have been ruled unconstitutional by some federal judges. So this week, Governor Newsom released a statement that he'd like to see legislation that adopts the SB-8 enforcement mechanism to allow private citizens the right to sue anyone manufacturing assault weapons. Newsom said, in part, if states can now shield their laws from review by the federal courts, then California will use that authority. And thus, the nation set off down the slippery slope of SB-8, or as one forum listener put it, Texas opened Pandora's box. Joining us now to talk about the politics and substance of Newsom's proposal are Marisa Lagos, politics correspondent here at KQED and, of course, co-host of KQED show, Political Breakdown. Welcome, Marisa.
3: Good morning, Alexis. Good to be here.
2: We also have Kiara M. Bridges, a law professor at the University of California, Berkeley School of Law. Welcome, Kiara. Thank you for having me. Kiara, I want to start with you. Um, can we go over the provisions of the Texas Law SB8 again, just for people to... You know, fix it firmly in place because it's really crucial to this new idea that uh, Newsom is floating.
1: Sure. So Texas um, SB8, it's a bizarre law. <laughs> it's a wild law. Um, it's uh, cleverly crafted in order to do precisely what it has done, which is make it very difficult, if not impossible, to challenge it in federal court. Um, so what it does is removes um, enforcement authority from state officials. So your attorney general, your director of, you know, human and health services, right? They're not a part of the enforcement of this law at all. Instead, private officials, private um, Private um, citizens, um, your neighbor, your family member, your Uber driver, um, they're the ones who are responsible for enforcing the law. Um, if they successfully sue you um, because you have um, received an abortion after um, six weeks of pregnancy, then they get $10,000. Um, you also have to pay their attorney's fees. Um, okay. If you as a provider um, or someone who has aided and abetted an abortion um, successfully defend yourself against the suit, you still have to pay your own attorney's fees. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's an incredible um disincentive from performing abortions, receiving abortions, helping anyone getting an abortion because it's financially infeasible to defend yourself from all these suits, as well as pay the $10,000 bounty that a private citizen um, can collect against
2: you. So legally, why does this sort of lack of state level enforcement, why does that help root around the federal courts?
1: Well, because we have um, a precedent dating from a century ago that says um, there are only some—you uh, can't sue a state. Um, However, there are some state officials who can be sued Um, and so when when states have been in charge of enforcing laws, um, all laws, um, there's some state official in charge of of enforcing it and so when citizens want to challenge the constitutionality or legality of these state laws, um, they've always been able to to sue um, those state officials in charge of enforcing it. Um, so, what happens when you reduce, remove state officials from enforcing? It means that citizens can't sue anymore to challenge the constitutionality of the law, at least not in federal court. And so, as a result, you're you're sort of stuck in in state court, um, hoping that you get in front of, of a state court judge um, who is amenable um, to your to your claim. I just also want to put this in historical context, and this is something that was. Raised in um, Justice Sotomayor's dissent um, last week in Whole Woman's Health versus um, Jackson, um, federal courts are important um, because it, when you when you think about it in historical context, you know we there's there was slavery right <laughs> in the mm-hmm. South, um, and then uh, that we had Jim Crow in the South. We had sort of a formal system of apartheid, and so um, black citizens couldn't have been left to uh, defend their, their rights to you know, eat at a, at a lunch counter or ride a bus or just exist without lynching um, in state courts. You know, Texas judges weren't gonna protect black citizens from violence. Um, Louisiana judges weren't gonna protect black citizens from violence, but the federal courts um, were much more likely to do that. And so essentially um, the Supreme Court's ruling last week sort of returns us to that uh, pre-Jim Crow or, you know, Jim Mm -hmm. Crow era where we're sort of stuck hoping that biased judges will enforce the rights um, that all citizens have.
2: And remind us again where the Texas law SBA, where does that stand in the courts right now?
1: Um, So right now, uh, SBA is back in the the courtroom of Judge Pittman in um, Texas. Um, He's the district court judge who initially uh, attempted to enjoin the law. So it's still in federal court um, after the Supreme Court last week um, allowed for uh, the plaintiffs in the case and the plaintiffs were providers of abortion as well as clergy. Um, it allowed the, the plaintiffs in the case to proceed with their federal lawsuit but only against a very narrow category of, of, plain, uh, of defendants. Um, so the Supreme Court disallowed um, the plaintiffs from suing state judges. This allowed the plaintiffs from suing court clerks who were sort of in charge with docketing these mm. cases. This allowed the plaintiffs from suing the attorney general but allowed the plaintiffs to sue this again, narrow narrow category of defendant and it executive licensing officials who are responsible Hmm. for perhaps enforcing um, uh, or taking action against providers who might be sued under SB-8. And so that's essentially a, a game plan for Newsom, um, because if you want to keep it out of federal court, now you have to make sure that there's no licensing officials involved in enforcement. Um, but yeah, right now with regard to SB eight, it's back in um, the district court's hands, and we'll see what the district court. We kind of know what the district court will do it do with it, um, but. Uh, after the district court rules, then we'll be stuck in the Fifth Circuit. <laughs> and the Fifth Circuit has been incredibly hostile to abortion rights, as well as to, um, to you know, enjoining SBA at all. Got it.
2: Listeners, uh, would you be in favor of a law like Governor Newsom is proposing? And, you know, even if we could legally pass a law like this, which we might be able to here in California, where private citizens get a bounty for suing uh, assault weapon manufacturers, should we do that? Give us a call now, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're KQED Forum, or the email is forum at kqed.org. Marisa Lagos, KQED politics correspondent. Um, In California specifically, we've had this kind of fraught relationship with the federal courts, too, around um, assault weapons bans, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a big case working through the courts um, and— it had been essentially uh, the ban had been enjoined by a lower court judge, although uh, the court of appeals um, put that ruling on hold recently. And you know, I do think that with the governor and others who support those bans and and other gun control laws, which you know it should be noted, I mean, literally every time California passes a new gun control law, they get sued by gun rights groups, right? And so it's not unusual for these to be in the judiciary. I think what did strike people earlier this year was a very unusual ruling from a Trump-appointed judge. Who who essentially kind of went out of his way to compare this assault rifle to something like a Swiss Army knife and sort of make the case that this is not an extraordinary kind of killing machine, but something that, you know, a, a lot of Americans have. And, and I think more than or as much as the substance of that ruling was a feeling by a lot of people who supported the ban that it was a political ruling. And I think that that kind of gets to some of what we're talking about here, which is that I think there's a sense on both sides that the judiciary has become more politicized um, despite sort of the, the protest, the protests by folks, including Supreme Court justices.
2: Yeah, and I mean, Governor Newsom in this statement actually referenced that. Uh, he said, "But if states can now shield their laws from review by the federal courts that compare assault weapons to Swiss Army knives, then California." Uh, will use that authority.
3: Yeah, it was a bit of a, like, nanny-nanny-foo-foo kind of thing. Yeah, I feel it did. Like, you know, my kids might...
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting because the Texas law has that feel, too, like, oh, well, you're going to do that? Well, then we're going to just right. cut this really precise shape around constitutionality so that we can continue to do this. And, and this seems like uh, a shot back across uh, from California. What do you think about it as politics, Marisa Lagos?
3: Honestly, I think this is like sort of the easiest possible politics for the governor. I mean, we're in a state where majorities of Californians support both abortion rights and gun control consistently in polls. The numbers do fluctuate, you know, year to year and depending on the question. But uh, this is something that we've seen at the ballot box. I mean, This is one of Newsom's probably top five issues that he's known for. He helped write the last ballot measure a few years ago um, that really took aim at gun control issues. And, you know, I think it's very much in line with his kind of political philosophy. I mean, he burst onto the national stage back in 2004 by allowing gay marriages at a time when that was not really in the mainstream at all. A lot of Democrats were very mad about it. And I think that in a state like this, given where he's positioned coming out of this recall where you really didn't see any change in the electorate in terms of the numbers for him um it's sort of like a no lose situation i mean Mm. i I think politically even if this doesn't happen even if the legislature doesn't pass this he's still made national headlines we're talking about it it's made him relevant again you know so i I just i don't see a lot of downside for newsom probably the same way there's not a a lot of downside for lawmakers in texas who supported sba
2: yeah Uh, Kiara Bridges, legal scholars expected this kind of move, right, from other states?
1: Yeah, we have been predicting this (laughs) since um, Texas passed, SB8. You know, we had hypothesized that, well, Texas can do it. I mean, and people actually said, well, then California can ban guns, right? And then Kentucky can ban same-sex marriage. And, you know, we we had predicted this sort of parade of horribles.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And what do you think? I mean, where does this end?
1: It ends with uh, either the Supreme Court correcting itself. Um, The Supreme Court just made um, the ruling just last week, right, Um, in which it allowed uh, or essentially boxed uh, plaintiffs at a federal court. So the the Supreme Court could correct course, um, say that, oops, my bad, we got it wrong. Um, it's actually um, better for our constitutional democracy to allow plaintiffs to have access to federal courts to vindicate their constitutional rights. Um, or probably more likely, the Supreme Court is just going to have to come up with some tortured uh, um, reading of the Constitution that distinguishes gun rights from abortion rights. Mm. It distinguishes the rights that they like from the rights that they don't like um, and sort of try to, you know, convince uh, the watching public that it's actually logically consistent when in fact it isn't.
2: We're talking about Governor Newsom's announcement. He's going to craft a gun control law modeled after the Texas anti-abortion law, SB8. We're joined by Kiara Bridges, law professor at Berkeley, and Marisa Lagos, politics correspondent at KQED. Stay tuned for more Forum after the break. I'm Alexis Madrigal.
0: Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera.
2: Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about Governor Newsom's announcement that he's going to craft a gun control law modeled after the Texas Anti-Abortion Law, SB-8. It would give uh, private citizens the right to sue anyone who manufactures, sells, or distributes an assault weapon or ghost gun. We're joined by Marisa Lagos, politics correspondent, KQED, co-host of KQED's show Political Breakdown, and Kiara M. Bridges, a law professor at UC Berkeley School of Law. We've got a lot of comments and calls coming in. Um, you know, when we did a show on SB 8, the first thing that listeners started to comment and, and call in about was like, oh, well, can't, can't California just do this as well? And we've got a comment from Craig who writes, I think the governor's using Texas nonsense and in allowing individuals to be vigilantes to enforce abortion restrictions as a template, as a workaround against inaction by Republican operatives squatting on the Supreme Court is brilliant. But I think not just gun control, but also ignore the Citizens United decision by the Supreme Court to limit attempts to limit campaign finance laws. It should also be attacked. Throw all of this in the face of Mitch McConnell and all the clowns in his clown car. Um, Kira Bridges, I, I you know, you can see that a lot of our listeners are frustrated with the state of things and so find this kind of another person um called this kind of creative Jeanette was like I love this kind of creativity go Governor Newsom do you see sort of long-term repercussions of this I mean for me personally I can't help but see it as sort of part of the fracturing of the nation
1: yeah yeah you know as a, as a person who doesn't want to get shot at any point in my life, um, you know, I, I am in favor of, of, of gun control.
2: A solid um, position.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm unwavering on that. Um, you know, I, I don't know why someone would want a weapon of war, you know, in, in the middle of um, a neighborhood or a community. Um, so I'm in favor of gun control. But I'm also super wary about where this leads us. Right. I'm one of the beautiful things about the Constitution, its aspiration um, is to make sure that that everybody in the country, right, um, has all of the same rights, no matter where you are, and again, aspirationally, um, no matter who you are. Um, So, and and the other thing about constitutional rights is that those are supposed to be like the really important ones. Um, The reason that the Supreme Court decided in 1973 in Roe v. Wade that people had a right to terminate a pregnancy before viability is because the Supreme Court understood the gravity, right, the importance of being able to terminate a pregnancy. Um, And so our fundamental rights are those that are supposed to be the most important um, to to us as as citizens, as individuals, to the country, um, to the world. And so what I'm worried about is that we are going to have this kind of fracturing of, of constitutional rights where Right now, so since September, people in Texas haven't been able to have an abortion, right? People in Texas have not had an abortion, right, since September, Um, and so, there is no constitutional right to possess an assault weapon, you know, that is undecided. But let's say Newsom goes even further and says, okay, not only assault weapons, but handguns, which is clearly the possession of which is clearly constitutional, constitutionally protected. Um, so, you know, Texas, you can't have an abortion. Uh, California, you don't have gun rights. Um, Kentucky, you can't marry somebody of the same sex. Florida, you can only practice Christianity, only Christianity, No, you know, Muslim, Islam is out of the question. Um, so we would have a, a, a patchwork, right? Where some rights can be enjoyed in some states and not enjoyed in others. And that's just bad. I mean, that's not what the constitution is supposed to provide. The constitution is supposed to provide these universal rights for everybody in, in the country. And I agree with you, Alexis, that this will lead to a fr- I mean, we're already incredibly uh, fractured as a country. Um, it will lead to further fracturing and
3: I just can't see any good coming out of it. Can I jump in, Alexis? I'm just yeah, curious for, for the sir. professor, like, but isn't the crux here not that the court is saying that that, you know, a constitutional right can be enjoined, but that they're not recognizing abortion as a constitutional right? I mean, isn't the question here for California whether our gun control laws get overturned and then therefore something like this can't work anyway?
1: Well, so the Supreme the the uh, I, I, you know, when I try to explain what the Supreme Court um, has done in with regard to s b eight, it's kind of like why people don't like lawyers <laughs> <Because> it's
3: just, <laughs> it's, just
1: you know, it's just um it's complicated and it leads to bad results, right? Um but you can sort of parade that this is what is the um, you know demanded. So the Supreme Court has said nothing about the constitutionality of the law in in Texas, and that's because it's clear that the law is unconstitutional under no um, circumstances can a ban on abortion before or after six weeks be consistent with the court's holding in Roe v. Wade and then the court's holding in Planned Parenthood versus Casey. So this is a clearly unconstitutional law in Texas. Further, no one is arguing that it is constitutional. The only question that the Supreme Court has 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 decided and the only question that the Fifth Circuit has, um, has spoken on is whether the plaintiffs can sue um uh, uh the defendants in federal court so again the constitutionality of this thing is it's clearly it's clearly um the answer is no, it's not constitutional. Um, so, so, however, because of the procedural issues involved in the law, because of the quirks of the law, um, the law has not been enjoined by any federal court. And so it's been allowed to infringe the constitutional rights um, of Texans since September when it went in effect.
3: Well, arguably, then, I think, Alexis, like you could say that this, that what the governor is trying here is actually more narrow because he's essentially proposing a private right of action for things that are already already illegal under California law right so it's it's a I guess I mean the politics of it it, this legal question probably doesn't matter but you know it's a a slightly different approach I, I suppose than what Texas is doing I mean in a way this feels like not like Texas is challenging Roe v. Wade, whereas Newsom is more challenging Texas. <laughs>
1: yeah, And, and I, I totally agree with you. And I think it's important for for listeners to understand that, that it is not at all clear that people have a constitutional right to possess an assault weapon, that they have a constitutional right to possess a, a ghost gun. In fact, um, the existing law suggests that those it is, in fact, Perfectly permissible to California to ban both of those things and, and run into no Second Amendment problems or run into no constitutional problems. So you're absolutely right when you say that what Newsom is proposing is not as offensive even as what Texas has done, because Texas is infringing a known constitution, a well-established constitutional right, knowingly infringing a well-established constitutional right. Whereas Newsom is saying, uh, it's not unconstitutional. Um, there, there are going to be some hostile federal ju- you know judges out there. Um, they might believe that what I'm doing is constitutional. And it ultimately may be ruled unconstitutional in the future. But right now, it's perfectly legal for me to ban this. And this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to allow private citizens to enforce the ban.
2: Let's bring in uh, Stacy from San Francisco to the show. Welcome, Stacy.
5: Hi, thank you for having me. Um, You know, as a a veteran, uh, I can tell you it's no fun being shot at, and it's it's even less fun being hit. Uh, That said, you know, that right does still stand. My concern is the same as the professor's, which is that this is a Pandora's box, uh, and that we will see right now, I'm sure, in all the right-wing think tanks, people coming up with ways to, uh, you know, enforce Christianity only. Or to ban any number of things that are that are otherwise constitutionally guaranteed, and inevitably, when people have their rights restricted, it's going to lead to more violence. Uh, and you know, extreme violence, as we've already started to see in our country, is uh, is something that's getting more and more organized and supported by the right wing. Uh, so I think poking the bear and and furthering the legitimacy of this idea of SB8 as is happening by Newsom taking this on and trying to use it in that same way as opposed to just flat out opposing it uh, is leading to more of a problem, yeah. not taking advantage of it. I'll take the comments.
2: Yeah. Thanks for that, Stacey. I, I want to go uh, right to Matt and Oakland, and maybe we'll do these uh, as, uh, as a pair. Matt, welcome to the show.
4: Thank you very much. Um, I, uh, I, you know, my point is actually similar to Stacy's and that. You know, it seems like that that by engaging in this way, that it'll only further uh, factionalize and fragment the state, so that people will be able to, you know, they'll be able to kind of cherry pick rights uh, and you know, play state against federal to their advantage. And it's, uh, you know, it's just it's it, it's seemingly really disconcerting. Uh, you know, I, 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 again, the long game seems to be that the Republicans sometimes also win by losing, uh, or that, that that this kind of strategy, uh, you know, will ultimately play into their hands, into their aims, and, and you know, I, I'd just be interested to know what uh, the folks on the panel felt about that.
2: Sure. Great. Thank you, Matt. Marisa Lagos, um, we're getting some interesting pushback on the politics of this. What do you think?
3: I mean... <laughs> I think again, it's like there's the legal question, there's the policy question, and then there's a the political question. And the political question, to me, is not that dangerous for Newsom because I, I, I think our callers—I mean, I, I, I applaud them for their deep thinking—but I don't know that most voters are going to go to the voting booth and be like, "Well, you know, Newsom challenged SB eight, and that was really a bad strategy." Even though I agree with him on gun control, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just feel like the, like we're talking about different things here, and at the end of the day this has been a winning issue for california democrats the same way that abortion bans and gun uh, rights have been a winning strategy for republicans in red states um and so i think you know again if you look at the sort of demographics of the california electorate or you know where they lean you generally have a pretty strong you know majority for democrats some swing voters and you know under 40 percent essentially um when you look at statewide Uh, elections for Republican candidates. And so, you know, again, like, are the people in the middle going to be like dramatically swayed by this? Uh, Probably not, because if they were already super pro-gun control, I highly doubt they'd be supporting Newsom in the first
2: place. Well, and what do you think about what do you think this means for President Biden, though, right? Because it kind of does put him in a sticky position about how to challenge these state laws. If you've also got sort of you know more liberal states putting them on the books.
3: Maybe. I mean, I think that that's, again, like sort of more of a political debate. At the end of the day, the Department of Justice is going to do what they see fit. And and, I mean, at at any given moment, Alexis, there are what, thousands of cases probably working their way through the the court system. I mean, California, um, I think, sued the Trump administration, you know, nearly 100 times. So again, like these I mean, we talk about this stuff and, and certainly we'll keep following these cases. But I also think like we need to just put the asterisk here. This is a proposal. It's not even a legislative proposal yet, it's an idea, right? I mean, he essentially put out a statement on Twitter on Saturday. Um, (laughs) So this is going to be, you know, have to be written up into legislation, make its way through the legislative process, be voted on if it were to pass. I think the earliest we would probably see it take effect is next January, in which case, I mean, who knows if Biden would even be president by the time (laughs) this is actually before the courts. Yeah.
2: Let's bring in uh, Michael from Oakland. Welcome to the show, Michael. Hi, thanks. Um, so I'm I'm curious about the purported novelty of SB 8 and now this new proposal. Um, we actually already enforce a lot of laws in California by deputizing private actors to file lawsuits. I'm thinking of Prop 65 and it's either the Americans with Disabilities Act or possibly a California variation on that, uh, you know, empowering individual citizens to go after people who are breaking the law rather than having people formally going around looking for it as state investigators. So is the novelty here really
5: uh, kind of narrow just in terms of who it gives standing to? Uh,
2: or is there something more profound that I'm missing? Oh, That's interesting. Kara uh, yeah. Bridges?
1: Yeah, Yeah, I can answer that. Um, The novelty is that um, SB8 and now Newsom's proposed law, which (laughs) doesn't exist, (laughs) but it's been proposed. um, The novelty is that it would strip um, state officials of any enforcement role whatsoever. Um, So you're absolutely right um, that a host of laws um, allow private citizens to enforce um, the the laws prohibitions and so you know the Clean Water Act the Clean Air Act um, the Americans with Disabilities Act you know I can I can do this for the next fifteen minutes you know naming laws that allow citizens to bring suit but what those laws also do is allow state officials to bring suit if necessary. Um, So state attorneys generals, the, the federal attorney general, they also have a role in enforcing the law. And so because state officials have a role in enforcing the law alongside private citizens, um, people can sue those state officials when they seek to test the laws and constitution- constitutionality, um, before it is enforced. Um, so what SB eight does and what e. Newsom's proposed law would do is just remove state officials altogether, which puts us back into the thorny procedural, um, uh, issues mm-hmm. that we were talking about at yeah. the top of the show.
2: Yeah. Let's bring in John from Petaluma. Welcome John. Hi. Hi. Um, I, uh, can't help
5: but feel a little uh, frustrated with the uh, tenor of the uh, discussion around all of this and that I really appreciate that our governor is not letting Republicans play uh, you go high, we go low. Um, as uh, uh, commentator I'm fond of, Ian Danskin says, if your opponent can count on you to do the exact opposite of whatever you do to them, it is' in their best interest to do to you, as heinously and egregiously exactly what they don't want you to do to them. And I appreciate the governor not taking the bait
2: on this yeah. and calling their shot. And you're uh, you're definitely not the only one, John. We mm-hmm. also have uh, Kyler who writes in to say, I'm 33, grew up in Northern California, and have felt out of sync with the rest of the country all of my adult life. Between the electoral college, swing states, lack of popular vote for presidential election, and the Supreme Court, I am fully okay with California doing its own thing. Kara Bridges, I wanted to... Um, ask your question kind of bouncing off this, as the federal institutions become less and less representative of the nation as a whole, uh, never having been fully representative in the first place because of a variety of factors, but less and less, um, particularly in the Senate, particularly with the way the Supreme Court looks, at what point does it it behoove big liberal states to begin to act as their own kind of nation states?
1: Oh, man. Um, it's a great question. Um, because I like order, <laughs> because I like <laughs> rules. Um, you know, that's probably why I went. You're to considering
2: Washington. moving to Canada. That's why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: No, I'm thinking that, you know, if we're gonna follow Republicans' playbook, um, we should follow the playbook that led to this particular political moment. Um so you know, it was a long game in getting the federal judiciary as well as the Supreme Court stacked as as stacked as it is, you know, in favor of or with conservative jurists, right? It's the it's the they started this in 1973, right? Um trying to Get the federal judiciary in such a place that they, you know, the Supreme Court would be stacked in a way that it would overturn Roe v. Wade, and then just, you know, hand down all the conservative opinions that they've been handing down with regard to, you know, um, money in politics, and with regard to gun rights, and with regard to, you know, religious exercise. Um, so I think that if we're going to follow the playbook of the Republicans, it shouldn't be on SB eight. Um, the SBA is just opportunist. I think that we mm. should follow the, the Republican playbook in terms of let's stack the judiciary in the same way that they did. Let's you know abolish the electoral college, like let's prevent gerrymandering, um, let's you know, uh, protect voting rights. Um, that's kind of the more rule oriented um, way to achieve our goals and, and, and to make the country more representative um, of the people in, inside of it.
2: Last uh, listener comment, Bettina writes, One can hope that the idea is to demonstrate that if the federal judiciary lets Texas get away with this, then, because any state can do the same on any topic it chooses, they have to give up their oversight, period. And one would think they wouldn't want to do that. On the other hand, indications from the oral arguments on the Mississippi abortion law are that they do not feel bound by stare decisis anyway. Scary. We've been talking about Governor Newsom's announcement that he's going to craft a gun control law modeled after the Texas anti-abortion law, SB-8, to give private citizens the right to sue anyone who manufactures, sells, or distributes an assault weapon or ghost gun. We were joined by Marisa Lagos, politics correspondent, KQED, and co-host of KQED show, Political Breakdown. Thanks for coming on, Marisa.
3: Always a pleasure.
2: And the wonderful Kiara M. Bridge is a law professor at the University of California, Berkeley School of Law. Thank you for coming on, Kiara.
1: Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure.
2: Stay tuned for more Forum after the break. We're going to be talking about H-1B visas. I'm Alexis Madrigal.
0: Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera.